Big, Better, Best Books with authors, readers, and other endangered species. I'm your guide, Katerina Valentin. Come and join us. Welcome to Big, Better, Best Books in this podcast, which is called Monsters, Peacocks, and Unicorns. <laughs> so we're diving straight in. We have two guests today. We have Susanna Mittermeier and Simone Padur, who both, well, either have written a children's book or in the progress of writing a children's book. And then actually, I'm coming in as the host who also have a children's book that we're going to kind of bring in also on the side. I'm the unicorn one. And we have the monster one who is actually called Simone. What's the name of your book? Things That Go Bump in the Night. And Susanna, what's the name of your book that's coming out? It's called Who is Henry? A Peacock's Tale. So that's the books that you're going to have with you during this half hour podcast. And my first question is really how these books came to you. So I'm just going to start with Susanna and see <laughs> how how your Peacock book came to you. Well, that's actually a really funny story because you know how you're supposed to have a plan in life? I usually don't, but I really wanted to write a children's book. It just was this, wow, you know, like I was one of those really weird and different children. So I was like wondering, okay, so what would like to be written? So first I was going the normal route and try to, you know, make notes and have this long process of creating a book and then you know, I remembered, well, that's not my kind of style to make it that hard. So I just let it go. And then I was sitting on a train in Germany. And uh, suddenly that story about the peacock came to me. It just like, wham, was in my head. So I, I really quickly had to take out my computer. You know how it is when you get ideas, you really have to write them down really quickly. So I got out my computer and I wrote and it was just like, I had to write so fast because the story came to me so quickly. And there it was. So why peacocks? <laughs> I love peacocks. Like, have you ever seen those animals? Not only are they extremely beautiful, they love showing their beauty. They love showing their greatness. They're not holding themselves back. And they're just like, hi, here I am. Enjoy me. And if you do, cool. If you don't, that's cool, too. I'm not going to, you know, not show my greatness. And you're welcome. It's on the house. And and they even have this cool capacities, you know, snakes. They eat snakes. Ooh. Okay. Now I have to ask this. And I think Simone is with me on this. So why is this a particularly cool capacity that they, they eat snakes? You know how we sometimes have snakes in life? You know, like people that judge us that have points of view that try to, you know, and then they, they, they're not stopped by those kind of things. They're like, oh, I, I eat you. Ah, so they actually eat the people that judge us. I think this is a brilliant, brilliant bird. We're going to get back to that bird later. I just want to hear how the how the. Things that bump in the dark came to you, Simone. Sure. Well, First. it's funny because not unlike Susanna, I, I asked a question and I said, like, what would like to be created now? Because I'd had millions of ideas for storybooks, you know, from the time I could start drawing, which was probably about four or five years old. And none of them ever came to fruition. Like I'd, I'd like Susanna, I would be making notes and like trying to plan it and nothing would happen. 
And so this time I was like, okay, what would like to be created right now? Like that's ready. And, um, and then I also asked, you know, what did I require as a child? And I was terrified of the dark. I, we had these spiral staircases as a little girl and I used to race up them and, you know, as fast as I could, cause I was afraid something was going to grab my feet as I was going up. And the only time I felt safe was Halloween where I could dress up and I was in disguise, you see, and nobody could tell that I was a person. I was, I could be, fit into the ghosts and monsters and ghouls out there. So, so how does the book help kids you know, so that they can actually go up the stairs, even if it's not Halloween. <laughs> so what, what are you, what are you gifting them? What awareness do they get from your book? Well, first of all, to just be aware that, yeah, you do hear or see things and that it's okay. And that if you talk to the things, then you get a, a better sense of what actually might be there. It might be your granny that's just saying hello. It might be that it's, you know, something that's not so nice, but then you have the power. You can say, hey, I'm the one with the body, get lost. Um, and I think a lot of kids don't know that or people in general. <laughs> I mean, as an adult, I wasn't aware of that until much, much later. So, so it's like an invitation for them to trust their knowing and hey, to trust absolutely. themselves. Really? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Now, I haven't read the Peacock story because it's actually not out yet. So what would you say is the main message in the peacock story? Well, you know how how we're supposed to know who we are and have a personality and have a point of view in life and discuss things and and find who we are and all these things and I remember as a kid I I you know was when I was a kid I I was just like hi and really had a hard time finding myself or knowing who I am and I didn't really even want to do that and um, now I know that's not required and so the peacock story is about you know where where the pe uh, Henry the peacock is looking at all these other peacocks who who know who they are you know there's the mean peacock there's the sad peacock there's the beautiful peacock there's the helpful peacock and they all have this wonderful personality and their capacities and and they're all like they're like they have their place in life they have their role in the world and henry has no idea who he is and he feels really 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 bad about it so i think like most of us have tried to be something in the world try to have a role in life or have a role in your family and then maybe you're one of those odd ones that you know have a lot of colors but have no idea who you are and so this is a book to to celebrate your difference celebrate your diversity enjoy it and don't have to find out who exactly you are but create yourself however you would like to create yourself every day you know it's interesting because both of you have mentioned you know how this actually applies to adults as well as children. So I'm just wondering, what's the difference of writing a book like this for children and writing a book like this for adults? Uh, I work for me, it was like, 
I don't have to make sense as much when I write for children <laughs> as much as for adults. You know, you just like find those words that match what you would like to convey as the encouragement for children and for adults. And it doesn't have to make this cognitive sense in beautiful words and all of that because you, you know, it's a different creation to have it with pictures and, and just like in conveying a certain energy that encourages people to to look at something different. So is it easier? Yes. It's yes. 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 <laughs> so what's your sense, Simone? Like what's the what's the difference? Yeah, I mean, I think it it is easier in a way like but I I think also <laughs> because I I sort of head trip a little bit, it, in some ways it was more difficult for me to make it easier on myself. Um Because it, it, it is a really, it just can be a really simple message and people get it. And I've had people come up to me, adults, and saying, oh, you know, I'm so grateful for your book because, you know, I read it and then I felt better. So the neat thing is, is, is it is a simple way to get, you know, a message across to people no matter what age they are. Because, I mean, kids, they, they are willing to be more aware and willing to, to keep things more simple generally and... I don't know where I'm going with this, but it was somewhere. <laughs> no, but and you know, it's interesting too because you are a teacher and you've yes. been working with kids your whole life. So yeah. you also have this it's not just the children's book, but you have it all the time when you've been mm -hmm. teaching kids for many, many years. And I so the book that one of the books I recently came out with was called The Baby Unicorn Manifesto. And the the one of the things with that book is it's, you know, it's for babies. So babies obviously don't really read books. You know, that's one yes. of the things with babies. They're they're very young. <laughs> they haven't started to read books. So those books are really for the adults. The book is for someone who recently had a baby to read for their baby. So I would say the book is meant to reach the babies through the adults. <laughs> so the the energy comes from them reading this book to their children. So it's it's kind of like a shortcut <laughs> to get yeah. in there. Yeah. And and I love and I love that sense that I get what you're saying. It's easier and and not it's not that straightforward as easier, but it's still it's it's really like a shortcut to get to the adults, but also to get to the adults earlier when they're still willing to receive it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's one of the beautiful things with books. And then also what you mentioned, Susanna, about the illustrations. Now, Simone, you're from the three of us here are talking about children's books. You're one of the few that actually make your own illustrations. So you really have that sense of you, you can take your text and make an illustration, maybe you even make the illustration first. So how do you look at that? Because both Susanna and I are using an illustrator that we yeah. work with. But how do you look at that with the how the how the illustration actually play with the text? Well, I actually had a I, I, I didn't write the story first. I drew it. So I did what they call thumbnails. So small little drawings that are really rough sketches of what the story was going to be about. And so it was sort of down on paper within, I would say, half an hour, maybe less, of what the story was going to be. And it really didn't alter that much. And because my brain isn't really linear at all, I really, I struggle with writing sometimes. And so um, I actually had my illustrations up on the wall and I would move them, the pictures around until I got what I, what I was looking for. 
And I actually had to get my stepfather to sit down and write it for me. And I just dictated to him because I couldn't actually uh-huh. write like the word writing for me was too slow. It was just coming out like, you know, I don't know what they call it. Um, like you're a medium, like it just sort of like downloaded and downloads. Yeah. 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 And I, I just couldn't actually move my hand or type fast enough to actually get it all out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So your story actually came out in pictures. Yes. That's where the the original came. Well, Susanna's, Susanna and I, when we wrote the story, came out in, in words. Mm-hmm. And the story for the Baby Unicorn Manifesto is co-written by Dr. Dane here. And that actually started by a really good friend of us had a baby. And mm. and when she had this baby that we've been, you know, we, we all knew, you know, you kind of wait for nine months for a baby to come. So then delivery time. the delivery time comes <laughs> and the baby come and there's this joy in the world. And Dane sent her a text, which really talked to her and to the baby about mm. what we could tell someone that's born into the world. Like really that message that we could give them that we have their back, that they can be anything, that this is their world. This is their time. And they are valued, that they are something that the whole world's been waiting for for so long. And and that message we then took and made into this children's book, which is, you know, also has unicorns in it and all of that. And but the, the start of it was really this baby being born into the world. So in a way, it's funny because your story came to you in pictures. Susanna's story came to her on a train where she's <laughs> sitting and just had to get it down as fast as possible. And this story really came, I would say, from that baby being born yeah. into the world, like the baby inspired that story. So I find it interesting. It's like the stories have created themselves mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah. Now, yeah. I really, I love children's stories. I still, I may not read children's stories so much, but I, I still read literature for children. I read teenage literature. I read all mm-hmm. kinds of things. So if you would, if you would look at what, what was your favorite children's books author? Susanna, what, if we take you first, what was your favorite story then you, that you read as a child? Well, it was actually two I can remember. One of them was the the Barber Papas, which is very known in 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 Europe. It's this you know that these things that can colorful, very colorful and very malleable in their form. Like they can make themselves into all kinds of things that they just need at the moment. You know, if they need a key, they make themselves into a key. You know, if they need a hat, they make themselves into a hat. Like whatever they need, they can just, you know, morph into that thing, which I loved. And then the other one was about the root children. It was like these kids that were living in in, in roots and it was about the earth and this fairies and the sprouts and all these magical creatures. So none of them are very realistic. No, no, no. It's like the magic yes. of creating yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that. So would you say your peacock story has anything of that in it? Yeah, definitely. Yes. Also, the magic that we are ourselves when we discover that we don't have to be like everybody else or we don't have to create our lives like like it's normal or like anybody else says we should do. Hmm. So is that the main message that we can create ourselves as anything? Yes, and I'm not going to I'm not going to say like <laughs> what the end is, but it's it's like um like the the reminder that we have choice. 
and we don't have to do it like everybody else. And then people go into, but how, how, how do I, you know, how do I find myself? And it's like, and then in the story you get to see, okay, so what's possible beyond that how that we keep looking for in life? Mm, I love that. <laughs> okay, so you, Simone, if you looked at what books, what books did you love as a kid? Well, I mean, that's an interesting story because I, my, my father was German and um, he used to read me these German fairy tales that were quite um, scary. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you remember these, yes. Um, yes. You know, where people got maimed or, and there was these other ones that used to read to me that I actually really loved called Max und Moritz. And these two little boys were always getting into trouble <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, I guess what I got out of them or what inspired me was like, there's, there's this mischief and there is, and they were beautiful line drawings as well. Like they, I think it was the art that really inspired me out of, out of a lot of these things out of the fairy tales was the, yeah, just the attention to detail and the color and the, and also like, what I'm grateful for is that my, my dad didn't sugarcoat it. You know, like there's a lot of kids that like really scary stories that, that want to know yeah. more about the magic and some, the sort of darker things. And, and I find a lot today, especially as a teacher, I see this a lot in school where kids are sort of, you know, bubble wrapped. <laughs> and so they're, they're not allowed to know what they know of, about things that may be not so nice that are out in the world and, and be allowed to be aware of it. And, and know how to deal with it. So I guess that was another big piece was just giving kids tools that they might require. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting because this bubble wrap thing, like it, all, you know, how books should be sweet and kind. And well, before, um, I don't know what they're called, fairy tale books, like mm -hmm. the Grimm's fairy tales are pretty grim. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> yes. they're not that sweet all the time. And if you look at one of the, I don't know who of you mentioned, but before when we looked at the questions, one of you mentioned Pippi Longstocking is one of your favorite mm, books. I yeah. think it was you, Simone. Yeah. And Pippi Longstocking is not a sugar-coated book. She lives without no. both her parents in a house on her own, and she handles everything on her own. She cooks her own food. And yes, it's funny, and it's, you know, it. but she... Has, she has potency and she creates her own life. And she's also judged a lot by the community around her. I don't know if you remember, but she went to this tea party where everybody there wanted her to leave because she didn't know how to behave. And it was this, yeah. when I read that as a kid, I get so upset how these people yeah. could judge her so harshly where she came and she only tried to be, you know, kind and explorative, but she... She got so judged by, I can't remember the names of the ladies um, in Swedish. It was something different. But for me, those books were a brilliant example of how to learn how the world really works, how you get yeah. judged by people when you don't fit in and how she was such a gift to Tommy and Annika, the kids she played with, but mm -hmm. their parents were not at all sure she was a gift. Like that was part of it. <laughs> yeah. So really good children's books. I mean, Astrid Lindgren for me is coming from Sweden, of course, you know, one of the greatest writers that I know, but she also deals with death a lot in a lot of her books are dealing with really heavy subjects like, you know, what happens when you die? You know, what happens mm -hmm. next? So I love that what you're saying with not sugarcoating and actually giving kids the tools they need to to be in this world 
without like yes everything is going to be flowers and <laughs> and <laughs> clouds because it's not and yeah. and if we if we could look at it like that that's what your children book definitely are giving them that and that's really like if if that's what they're for then there's something different possible because then it really goes back to the first thing we talked about we're giving the adults those the adults, the adults, those <laughs> tools at the same time, because some of them have never received them. And here we have this possibility of all these parents reading the books for their children and and they can even get, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, I don't actually have to be afraid of the monsters in the dark or the things that go <laughs> bump in the dark, which I love. I love the fact that you don't call them monsters either. You call them things that go bump in the dark, which is really yeah. what you feel like when you're in bed late at night and something goes mm -hmm. bump and you're like what was that that's <laughs> the feeling of that so that's that really is one of the things and i'm not sure um barba papas for me is actually one of my other favorites and my favorite again there is you know the they are willing to become anything mm -hmm. they are willing to change into anything and they are willing to to be anything to create but they're also very different, mm -hmm. like all of the all of the little Barba Papas. So there's something about that that really inspires me for children's books. So we don't have a lot of time left, but I wanted to ask. So what is one thing that you never know? So let's go to Susanna first, because you're more um, moving different with the illustration. But what is one thing about writing that you didn't know before you started to write this book? Well, because I've I've wrote adult book yeah. before so I I actually didn't know that I could write a children's book that was a surprise to me and how different that is than writing an adult book and that it also that how easy it is hmm. and that you can't plan it that was amazing <laughs> you know that it's like this you can't be cognitive about it and it's such a relaxation it's such a joy to, to create this so if you if you looked at what she just said, what was a surprise to you when you wrote this book? Like I, I we've just you know you just told us you used a very different technique writing it, but if you looked at the whole process, what would you say surprised you about well, the whole process? I, I would say, and I think because I've been continuing to write since um, or draw, um, is that when the book is ready, it's ready. Like, like Susanna said, she could barely keep up with writing it on the train. And it, and it's the same for me. Like the other morning I was sitting down and, and one of my stories was like, I'm ready now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and, and you just, it's, it's like, you can't, you can't, you can't stop. You have to catch it. I remember there was this great uh, Ted talk by the um, author that, that wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Yes. And she talked about this poet that had to like catch the poet, the poem by the tail before it left because it would just sort of run through her brain like a stream of consciousness. And that's the, that's what I didn't really get, I guess, was the how quickly it can come and out of nowhere. I so, I so agree about that. So we, we decided to write a follow-up to the Baby Unicorn Manifesto book. And we wanted to write the Baby Dragon Manifesto book and actually show. So the Baby Unicorn Manifesto book is a little sweeter it's a lot about empowering, basically. And then we realized that, you know, some kids are just not like unicorns. They're more like dragons. <laughs> They're not that easy to handle. And, you know, you really try to love them. But, you know, in the, that last pile of plates still full down, you're like, ah! 
So we wanted to write a book that was more for those kids. And I had looked at that, like I knew we wanted to write it and kind of the idea of that was there. And then one day, this is so interesting with what you just mentioned with the Eat, Pray and Love. What's her name? I forgot now. We have to find the name, but... Um, I'll look it up. She's an amazing author, by the way. So Elizabeth Gilbert. Thank you. Elizabeth Gilbert. That's her name. So one day I just woke up and and the story just came. And this is one of the most amazing things about children's stories, because since they're not that long, you can actually get them down on paper very quickly. Mm -hmm. So I basically wrote this whole story in a span of, I think, two hours. And then, of course, it's been tweaked just like both of your stories has been tweaked and changed a little bit and you maybe Mm -hmm. move a picture and you do that. But the basic idea of the story came down. It really like it just was there and it was very different than the baby unicorn story. It was not like a, you know, now we'll do a different version. It was a completely different story. I mean, it basically Mm -hmm. little dragon, he kind of accidentally sets fire to the whole forest because you know, he doesn't really know what to do with his powers, which is which yes. is a very, very different take. If if any of you have read the Baby Unicorn Manifesto, mm-hmm. so whatever that is, that that sense of where something is coming to you because it's not coming as a ready thing. That's what I discovered. It was like mm-hmm. it comes as a spark. That's my best description of it, a spark to a story. And then from that sparks, it develops into something. So do you have any more on that, that spark thing? Because that's actually in, in, you know, it's something that happens to more people, I think, and they don't know what to do with it. The thing that I find interesting is the spark doesn't always start at the beginning. (laughs) So So sometimes like um, stories have come to me in dreams or in different places or and it shower. might be, yeah. <laughs> and it could be the simple, like somebody, the way somebody looks at somebody else, or it could be like the clothes that somebody wears or something that somebody says in passing or a film or, and it could be back to front. It could be just the middle. And, and sometimes it's not ready for a while. Like I've had stories that have been sitting in the closet for years mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're like, now. And then they may only talk to me for like, I don't know, a few pages or whatever. And and they only are then half done. And then they're like, no, I'm done now. <laughs> they go back to sleep. It's really funny. Yeah. You, you just like you have to be willing to be the voice for them without having any point of view, how they come, when they come, yes. and then be ready when they come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that so that leads me to the last thing that... I think we have time to talk about today is once they're done. Now, I know, Susanna, that your story isn't published yet, but you do have this experience with adults' book mm. in the same way. So I would say that I have two children's books actually out right now. So The Baby Unicorn Manifest and also another one called Clara and the Climate Changer. And both of them have moved out in the world with their own energy and very different energy. They're speaking to different people, different audiences. They, they have... I mean, they're for different ages. You could explain it very logically, too. Like, you know, they have the different energy. But really, once they're out there, it's like I'm not in control of them anymore. (laughs) They are now moving (laughs) on their own through the world. And I would say, especially with this children book energy, that they've taken on a little bit of a 
a movement on their own. So I just wanted to ask you both what experience you have of this, that once the book is actually published, it's out of your hands, it exists, you know, mm. on Amazon, on in bookshops, yep. like all over the world. What's your experience of the energy of them creating their own audience, pulling their own readers in? Like, Well, it's it's for me, it was like really letting go and having that life form have, you know, take on any direction, speed, pace, whatever it would like to. And it reaches people that, you, you know, you hear from them and go, wow, your book inspired me. You know, like, wow, it traveled to this country, traveled to this country. And, you know, you probably haven't done any certain, you know, strategic PR as one should do. It just has its own, like somebody mm-hmm. said, this is a great <laughs> book that, you know, on grandfather, la la la. And then it has its own. And you get surprised how these life forms, you know, make their way through the world. It's incredible. And where they end up. Yes. too. Yeah. Yeah, Simone, your yeah. book's been out for a few years. So what's your experience with that? Well, it was interesting. When I first put it out there, there was it, there was this hype and there was this buzz and, the, and it was going and it was moving and it was doing things. And, and then it, it, it almost like fell asleep. And it was actually only recently I was driving and, and it was like, hey, hello, hey. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hi. And, uh, and then shortly after you emailed me and I was like, wow okay, something new is changing. And it reminded me of the Being You Changing the World book, how it, you know, came out and it was there and da, da, da. And then there was that whole movement that started, what, a year, two years ago? And it just like almost was like reborn. And there's that same sort of sense of something's percolating, something's doing something underneath. So even even though your book was published, you know, as I said, six years ago, it's an entity really of its own. Like it really talks and says when it's ready to do something different or yeah it's kind of it's really cool so i think that's where we end today with with really the awareness that these books you know they they have their own life when they go into the world and they once we let them go and actually allow them to fly out in the world they will create and pull in their own readers and that's one of the most amazing parts of children's books because there are children coming into the world all the time that may require this book and asking for it and, you know, calling for it in different ways. So thank you so much, both Susanna and Simone, for coming on talking to me. And uh, I am so looking forward to reading Susanna's book when it comes out. And I'm so jealous, Simone, that you got to read it. (laughs) 